Imagine if you could sit down at your desk in the morning, piping hot coffee in hand, you could pop open your laptop, double click on a document on your desktop that says life plan, so you could check on what's happening this week, this month, or even this year. Well, I wanna help you create that plan. Let's spend five days together making a roadmap for your future so that you can live all the rest of your days on purpose. Yes, you can own the future that's coming your way. The five-day Own Your Future Challenge is absolutely free to join, and I've got a spot with your name on it. Don't let another week, month, year, or even decade pass you by without owning the vision for who you want to become and the impact you want to make while you're alive. This is five free days of learning from incredible world leaders, helping you to uncover who you truly are and leading you to craft a roadmap and set goals aligned with the future meant for you. This is important. Join me and other amazing global leaders and experts to help you own your future starting May 11th. You can join right now for free at jennaschallenge.com. That's jennaschallenge.com for the five-day Own Your Future Challenge. I can't wait to see you there. You're listening to The Gold Digger Podcast, episode number 84. Today, I am hanging out with the incredible Australian Kate McKibben. She is behind the Secret Blockers business, and we are taking you behind the scenes into our recent launches, what it looks like to launch an online course, how to know when you're ready to teach, and some of the tips, tricks, and strategies that we have learned along the way. You get to tune into our conversation. It's a good one. So without further ado, Let's dive on in. You're listening to the Gold Digger Podcast with Jenna Kutcher, the live workshop-style business podcast for creative girl bosses. So you can train from the experts how to dig in, do the work, and tackle your goals along the way. Here's your host, photographer, educator, artist, and mac and cheese lover, Jenna Kutcher. Guess what? I know you. You want to know something I know about you? You're not a huge fan of sponsors and ads on your favorite shows. You probably hit that little button to skip through them so that you can get to the point of the episode. And trust me, friend, I get it. That's why I'm doing something a little outlandish and I am dropping all of our sponsors for the Gold Digger podcast. Call me radical, call me crazy, but I set out to make a show that was filled with free education that our industries were lacking and I am jumping back into alignment with that vision. So this show is is brought to you by our totally free guide, which is five easy ways to grow your email list. You can grab it for free at www.jkemaillist.com. That's right, a guide that's going to get you started, help you understand why email lists matter, and teach you to know exactly what to send. My biggest business regret is not starting an email list sooner, so this episode is dedicated to not letting you make the same mistake. Head to www.jkemaillist.com and get growing that list of yours today. Now, what do you say? Let's hop into today's show. Here we go. 
Hey, Gold Diggers, it's Jenna Kutcher, and today I am just thrilled to be hanging out with my favorite Aussie girl, Kate McKibben. Kate and I met this January when we were in our mastermind group together, and Kate started and founded the Secret Bloggers business. She's an incredible educator and even more incredible human being, and every time I'm with her, it just makes me want to go visit Australia so that I can hang out with her more. She is hilarious, she's super talented, and she is one of the most most brilliant strategic minds I have ever met. So welcome to the show, Kate. Oh, thank you. That's like the sweetest intro ever. <laughs> well, I'm Blushing. pretty obsessed with you and I I just love that we can connect even though we are thousands and thousands of miles apart. And so to kick everything off, I want for you to just tell my audience about who you are, what you do, and kind of how you got into the place that you are in today. Yeah, sure. So I basically just tell people that I'm a super nerd and I like to. (laughs) Nerdery is in my blood. Like my brother's a computer game designer. My dad is an internet service provider. (laughs) So I was born and bred a nerd and I just have always loved, I love the tech side of things, how cool like the marketing software and all that stuff is. And I've loved figuring it out and then sharing it. So that kind of became my business, Secret Bloggers Business, really. Although my first online business was actually, this is actually technically my third online business. I always knew I was going to do something online. I dabbled a few times with different things. Like my very first one was actually a fashion blog, although not that you would know it from if you ever met me these days, because I pretty much rock around in tracksuit pants and t-shirts <laughs> and flip-flops. But yeah, I started a fashion blog back in 2007 and I was working in fashion magazines at the time. And I ran that, like that took off really quickly. It was all about online shopping. It was when in Australia, online shopping was just starting to become something that wasn't just eBay. And because I was working in magazines at the time, I was finding about all these different stores that were starting to finally deliver to Australia, which is probably not something who isn't Aussie, who wouldn't understand that like, we always just like would flick through magazines and see all these beautiful brands and like, we can't get them. And then finally they (laughs) just can't get them. And then they, yeah, we finally, they started to deliver and people were a bit sort of, were really excited, but a bit cautious about it. So I created basically a daily newsletter with kind of like a daily buy of stuff that delivered worldwide. Cause I was like, you know, I was subscribed to daily candy at the time. I don't know if you remember them. And everyone in Australia is obsessed with them, but nothing on there delivered internationally. Like we were all like, oh, this is so cute. I'm definitely going to go to Minnesota one day and check out that market <laughs> stall. <laughs> so yeah, so I started that and it took off like really quickly. I didn't have to really do too much promotion of it. I was pretty lucky. Not that I didn't like hustle hard, but I got, you know, first year, I got like 20,000 people on our email list and I was able to, I had advertisers coming to me because it was such a new thing that I was doing and I was able to quit my job in the first 12 months and just do that full time, which was really fun. Like for like, well, I ran that block business for nearly 10 years and, you know, it was, we ended up with like a staff of five and we had an office and we'd, you know, some days you'd come into work and we're like, okay, today's crazy manicure day. And we just sit around all day, like painting our nails different ways and taking photos <laughs> of them. And then other days we like were making all kinds of different, we're trying to make the craziest ice cream sandwiches we could come up with. And we like were setting off the smoke detectors in the boardroom because we were burning marshmallows onto things. And it was, it was really, really fun. But, you know, after, as I was getting towards the end of that 10 years, I was kind of, you know, wanting to do something a bit different and was kind of that, that whole market of how like the publishing model of things worked was really changing and, 
the advertising was getting harder and harder and I just, I kind of hated selling my soul a bit to advertisers. I just wanted to, you know, us to just do our fun content and not have to then worry about how to shoehorn in a particular brand that maybe we never had used before or whatever. So yeah, so that's kind of when I was kind of just, yeah, a bit over, a bit sick of it. And that's when I kind of came up with the idea for Secret Bloggers Business because it was just really one of those weird things where all of a sudden when I was just like, right, I need to do something different. All of a sudden, all my blogger friends started coming to me going, oh, can I take you out for coffee and pick your brain? Because, you know, a lot of them had been blogging for a similar amount of time, but they didn't have, you know, like a 10th of my audience. Like by this point, we're getting like half a million visitors a month. You know, they didn't have any kind of reliable income. They were real. Most of them were still working full time and blogging on the side. And like they had to put in years and years of so much effort and so much heart into their blogs and they weren't getting the results. And I was like, that's really weird. Like, this is not that hard. Like I, you know, aren't you doing this and this? And they're, they're always like, no, like, and I was like, I didn't realize the stuff that I just kind of took for granted because, you know, I'd come from a publishing background and before that I worked in marketing for a little while. So I kind of, I guess was uniquely qualified. I don't know. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't realize that people didn't know the stuff that I just knew and was doing. And, you know, that's why so many people were kind of struggling. So I decided to, yeah, create my first course, which was called Secret Bloggers Business. It was just the course name to start with. And I just kind of like put up a PayPal button. I was like, oh, I wonder if anyone will buy this. I didn't create it or anything. <laughs> I just like kind of wrote out a bit of an intro of what it was going to be about. And I mapped out basically what was on the inside. And I sent out an email to my database, which wasn't even like a targeted database. These were people interested in you know, online shopping, but it was still sizable. So there was enough bloggers in there, I guess. And yeah, we got like a hundred sales, like pretty much straight away. Then I was like, oh, okay, now I've got to go create it. Now um, I need to make this. <laughs> yeah, now I need to make this. How do I do that? And like, that was a really fun process because I this, that's the stuff I love doing is like, you know, trying out different, like I said, different tech and programs and systems and setting all that up and then like the coolest thing was like watching people go through it and having all these like big aha moments and getting messages from people, which was like, Oh my God, I've never heard this stuff before. And, you know, seeing how, you know, seeing people's traffic growing and seeing them starting to, you know, monetize and stuff like that. So then I kind of got a bit addicted to online courses. And in the next three years I created eight. What? Yeah. Sorry. I created eight in two years and then I put myself on a course ban for a year. So <laughs> I was just like, no more new courses. And yeah, and then that's pretty much where we are now, actually. So now I don't offer all eight anymore. I've retired some of them. I realized that like I had a Pinterest course for a while and well, it got people really good results. You have to update it like every 20 seconds because Pinterest just changes so much. Yep. So I was like, no, nah, that's not interesting to me because I'm a bit forgetful with these things. And I will, and you know, people are going, oh, I've tried to use this thing and it doesn't even exist anymore. I'm like, oh yeah, sorry. Shoot. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. So now I'm kind of going a bit full circle and kind of like consolidating down to about two things that I offer that are kind of the ones I'm noticing. Yeah. Getting the best results for that people. Is amazing oh my gosh I can't believe you made eight courses in two years that actually makes me feel exhausted just thinking about it oh I know it's, I just needed a big nap like for the in year number three 
Oh my goodness. So you created eight courses in two years. That makes me exhausted just thinking about it. How did you start to figure out all of the things that go into course creation? Because we know that creating a course and marketing it and selling it and serving your clients is a giant process. So how did you figure that all out? Well, I think it's it's just been a lot of trial and error, really, because I think there really wasn't that many people talking about it again back even three years ago. Like I know there's you know there's a quite a few different great resources for it now, but I just you know I knew I was already on WordPress, so I wanted something that worked on WordPress. I'd done B school, so I kind of had a bit of an idea of like the layout and like the format that I wanted, and then it was just going okay. Well, I want to be able to do this thing. How can I make this? do this as easily and as elegantly as possible. So I, you know, I just got hit up good old Google university and tested a bunch <laughs> of different things. And I think it's, you know, like it's none of the courses I've created, like the first time you create them are perfect in any way. Like you kind of keep tweaking them and changing them. I think I'm on my like sixth courseware system now. I'm pretty happy with this one. I'm planning on staying with it, but, <laughs> but you know, like I started off with a free courseware plugin for WordPress and I just had everything like it was I kept it really really simple I was just shooting videos uploading them to YouTube having them embedded in blog posts basically that were password protected like that's how I did it at the start it was so simple and I literally had that PayPal button which wasn't like connected to anything I had to manually when people bought something I kind of had to manually email them and say hey I'll send you your logins just give me a second <laughs> oh my gosh uh so it was you know and then I Obviously, then you go, oh, okay, well, now that there's a program that will do that for me. Okay, let's get that one rolling. So it was just like step by step kind of adding in the layers. I think I was really just super focused on the content. I really wanted, I did um, my very first course, I call it like a kitchen sink course. I think a lot of people do that with their first courses. Like it's just yes. everything you've ever known ever. And it's like, it's massive <laughs> and people like, and people loved it, but I found that after running it for a while, like most people got up to module three and then they were kind of done. Like they were just like, their brain was exploded and they couldn't take it anymore. So then, you know, then you go, okay, well now if I create, I'll try and refine that down a little bit. I'll try and pull some stuff out of it now rather than just like add, 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 which was what I was doing at start. Cause I think a lot of people, again, like when you do your first course, you kind of go, oh, it has to just absolutely revolutionize people's lives in every possible way. And so you just overgive and then you overwhelm. And so then once you kind of run it a few times, you go, okay, well now I can see which are the bits that are really like those great value bombs. And maybe these are the bits that are just, you know, distractions. And then I've kind of, you kind of go through and simplify it down. I think that's pretty common. I didn't know for other oh. people. Absolutely. It's common. I feel like the first time that you go to sell any information, just like you said, all the doubts go through your head of like, do I really know this? Am I really going to get people results? What is every lesson I wish I would have learned? And you do, you just keep adding and adding and adding. And I think so much of that is fear-based because we're worried, like, can I really charge money for this? Yeah, it all comes down to like, yeah, that am I good enough? Am I just, you know, like as soon as people like give you money for something, especially something like this, where it's not like I'm buying a painting from you. It's like mm -hmm. they're giving you money to help them. You're like, all oh, right, I have to like come to your house and build your website for you. Like, it's, mm -hmm. you know. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Absolutely. So one of the biggest questions that I get asked, and I think you are the perfect person to answer it is 
how do I know when I'm ready to teach? Because there are so many people out there that are sitting here listening and they don't think that they're ready to teach. So how do you know when you're ready to teach? I think if you're asking yourself that question, then you're definitely ready to teach. Like there's definitely mm-hmm. things like to look as far as like your audience and how ready they are to purchase. But if a lot of the, like what I teach a lot of my people is most of the sort of list building and stuff that you want to do to be able to have a good launch, even a first launch, you can do that in the run up to your opening your first product. Like you don't need to wait necessarily for the to be a certain magic number and then go and create your course you can actually even with a very small list like small i find that small lists actually seem to convert better than big lists because those people usually if you've got a big list it's because you've done some pretty aggressive list building stuff like you'll have done a lot of like jv partnerships you'll be doing a lot of facebook ads and you might not always be getting the best people so like normally your conversion rates and open rates are probably lower than someone Mm -hmm. who's just given great value and people are jumping on their list because they just freaking love them so those people they're like they're ready they're pumped and as long as you you know spend a little bit of time doing a bit of a pre-launch phase i think pre-launch is just as important as launch like it's kind of like the planting the seeds warming people up kind of and yeah, going out there and making a bit of noise and getting people to kind of come over and see you as like this person who's, you know, has something to offer as an expert in a particular area. Yeah, you can build enough of a list in that pre-launch phase without much budget, without any budget, really, if you're kind of smart about it, if you are not wanting to sort of over-invest on this and brand new thing. But yeah, I think it's just really does come down to like, do you feel that you can help these people in a particular way. And if you do, then that's all you need. And you don't need to take people from zero to 10. Like if that's, if they're wanting to, you know, just as a easy example, like if say people are wanting, like, you know, people wanting to make a million dollars or something, just as an example, (laughs) you don't need to help them make a million dollars, but maybe you can help them make their first 10,000 and set up the foundations for them to then be able to continue to grow it. Like, I know a lot of people have this story. It's like, I'm not the best in the world at this. Therefore, I can't teach it. It's like, but as long as you're a few steps down the road than where your audience are, that's all you need to teach. You just need to help them, you know, help them with that little bit. And then you can help them with, you'll probably grow a bit and you can help with the next bit or maybe they'll go on and learn from someone else afterwards. It's not, you don't need to take them the entire road. Absolutely. I remember this story that I heard once. I think Russell Brunson shares this story, but it was about somebody who went and taught like a college class and they literally had no expertise in the subject matter and they later got found out like they got caught. And somebody asked him like, how did you teach us? And he's like, I literally just read the chapter one chapter ahead of where the students were so that I could at least teach them that. And so I think it's so funny when it comes to teaching online courses and just teaching in general is like you said, like you don't have to have A through Z figured out, but if you can teach somebody A, B, and C, they can at least get started and you are at least moving them forward, which I think is such a huge thing and just such a reality check that like you're not going to just arrive someday and somebody's going to be like, and now you can teach. You just have to start teaching, right? Yeah, exactly. Like it's, I think you've got to really want to do it. And if you do, then you just have to kind of go, yep, this is scary. This is all new, you know, but what's the worst that can happen? Like you can, a lot of people with their first launches, maybe their first launches aren't as 
amazing as they want them to be. But once you've got that course created, then it's just treat it like an experiment. You just kind of play with it. And it's so often it can just be changing, you know, your marketing message or, you know, doing a different kind of webinar or even doing a webinar. Like a lot of people won't do them on a first launch because you've got so many other things going on and that's a whole other thing to learn. But, you know, it's just finding some tools, you're finding some stuff and then, you know, you'll see all of a sudden one day you'll hit that kind of sweet spot and then it's like, it's easy. Then it's, that's when the, you know, that's when you go, you've obviously, you kind of figured out that this is who I'm talking to. This is how I can help them. And and then it's just gravy. Like it's, it's great. They come to you, they love what you're doing and you love doing it and everybody wins. Amen. So let's say that some of our listeners are just at a place in their career where they know what they're doing. They know how they've done it and they know how to get to where they are. What would you tell them to start with? And I'm going to guess that it's email list building. Yeah. Yeah. That's the, I think like you can start from absolute scratch and have a killer launch if you've got a big budget to pump into Facebook ads, but Facebook ads aren't that super reliable either. And I think that list building, people can do that like right now. Like if you're thinking that maybe someone's just getting started and they know they want to do this at some point, I think if you just focus on list building, it's going to really, really like benefit you down the track. And particularly thing I like about list building is you can almost use it as like a pre-validator for your course. Mm-hmm. So if you create a little, you know, whether it's a checklist or a workbook or, you know, you do a free challenge or something like that, that's in a similar topic to what it is you're going to, you're hoping to teach and it gets a good response. That's kind of like your first like tick. It's like, yeah, people like this. And even better if you start getting people emailing you back going, oh my God, that was amazing. Thank you so much. Which I know happens a lot. Like some people might think, oh no, no one would ever do that. But you will get those emails when you're giving good value. And again, that just kind of means it's a little sign that I think that you're on the right path. And once you kind of have that sort of initial validation, then that makes it so much easier and so much less stressful to then go, okay, now I can go and actually take them the next step of this journey and turn that into a paid product. Absolutely. And I love list building. I think that a lot of times the creative industry are the late adopters when it comes to growing an email list. I feel like nowadays we're so focused on Instagram followers and all these things. But if I could choose one thing, it would be to focus on growing my list because that's something you actually own. Whereas we know social media is just rented space. So what have been some of your best opt-ins or give examples of different opt-ins that people could create? just regardless of what they're in. You already said like checklist or free downloads. Do you got any other ones that you think of? So one of my best ones was actually something I used to sell. And then I got advice from an old coach. who's like, if you want to have like a, you know, killer opt-in and make it something that people would pay for. Mm-hmm. So I actually have this, it's called the blogger planner, which I'm happy to give away to people on this as well if they wanted, but it's like, it's 200 page PDF planner, like all online editable. And it's part like day planner set up specifically for bloggers and online business owners. But it's also part, I call it the, like the make it happen workbook. And it's really about helping people get really clear on their goals and breaking them down into actionable steps. And then sort of slotting that into their planner and stuff as well. 
And that I used to sell that for $29. And then I was like, well, hi, why don't I just, you know, like, even though I was selling a few thousand of them every year, I was like, but imagine if I could give away like tens of thousands of them and like mm-hmm. really help people get that first kind of taste of what working with me is like and, you know, start to see, because just kind of going through this process is what I normally take like my coaching clients and stuff through. So I think giving that away, like something so valuable, people are always like, oh my God, this is amazing. I can't believe you're giving this away. And then they share it and they, you know, they get such good value for it that they, it's that first sort of step in the trust, I guess. But then again, like, but you know, I kind of advise people to have with their list building, you want to have basically your, like one thing that's kind of site-wide that can be like your big thing that you're known for as your list builder, but then you can have a few little ones underneath like content upgrade kind of things. And those things can just be super simple, one pager, like I said, like checklists. I find resource lists are really good. Things that, you know, you just type them into a Word doc and make them look a bit pretty and save them as a PDF because they're really extra effective, I think, when they're related to the content that people are reading. So I always advise people to have like one big overarching one, which is just like crazy, crazy valuable. And you can just, you know, you promote that everywhere, but then at least once a month in your blog content or something, come up with just a basic content upgrade, but it is still something that's like valuable. People are going to go, yeah, I want that extra information. And you have that in, you know, you promote that inside the relevant blog post. All right, all right, all right. We now interrupt this show to drop you some knowledge. Kate and I were talking about email lists and maybe you're like, uh, I don't have an email list or I do and it has 10 subscribers. Or maybe you're like, what would I even send people if I had one? Don't worry, I've got your back. I have a free training at growanemailist.com. Again, that's growanemailist.com. I want for you to dive on in. If you don't have an email list yet, friend, the time is now. Listen to how Kate and I are using email lists in our business to not just launch courses, but to serve our audiences. Again, go to growanemailist.com. Dive into my hour-long free training. I promise you, it's good stuff. Now let's dive back into this episode. You ready? Absolutely. And I think that one of the biggest lessons I've learned is like, give away your best stuff for free. I know it sounds crazy and I know nobody listens until they really learn that, but it's just like you said, like if you give people such good free content, like they're going to be willing and ready to pay for it. And you, it's almost like little breadcrumbs on the trail of like, here are different steps, but your courses are the actual how to see the biggest results. And so I think that, you know, a lot of times when people look at list building, they're like, I don't even know where to start. And I think the best place to start is just what do people need? Just like you said, when people were asking you all these questions and you're like, this is actually quite simple. And then you realize like, okay, maybe not everyone knows this. That's exactly where you start. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And if people are sitting there going, okay, but yeah, like I don't know what the first thing should be. I don't like I'm able to go back, look at your Google analytics and see what your most popular content has been so far and see if there's mm-hmm. something that you can add to that. Because if you can just add a little content upgrade to something that's already getting like, you know, maybe it's getting good SEO traffic or maybe it's being shared on Pinterest like crazy or something like that, then, you know, that's kind of like, that's your first step because those people are, you're already getting good traffic there. You're already getting, you can see that people love that stuff and you may as well harness that. And it can also be, it might plant the seed of an idea of something bigger that you could do as well. 
Absolutely. So let's break down a launch and you and I can do this together because I've never actually talked about what launching a course looks like. And I think that a lot of people are curious. So let's first talk about the pre-launch phase because I'm going to be with you. I remember my first time I was like, oh, I'll just like, you know, get things ready for the week before the launch and that'll be good. But just like you, the pre-launch is like way longer and way harder than the actual launch itself. So what are some things that you do during the pre-launch phase? So pre-launch phase, we seed a lot of related content. So four to six weeks out, we're sharing on Facebook lots of yeah related content to the topic of whatever the upcoming course launch is for. And then we're creating Facebook custom lists or whatever. I'm terrible with Facebook terminology, but you know, we were creating custom the um, custom audiences, that's yep. on from those people that are reading those articles. So quite often I'm not even necessarily writing new articles. I might write one or two new ones, but I'm just going back through some of like the best, you know, the golden oldies kind of stuff mm-hmm. and sharing that as well. And inside each of those posts, I have like an invitation for people to get on the wait list for the course as well, just to kind of get them that next step of investment. Then we normally run some kind of challenge. So we'll be promoting that challenge. So maybe like four weeks of like content promotion. And then I know everyone's kind of timings are sort of different, but that's, and we always play with this stuff. Like it's nothing is ever set in stone, (laughs) but then I always like to run a challenge. I kind of alternate them. Like every second launch, I'll do some kind of challenge because you just get that really good engagement in the challenge as well. And people get really good chance to know you and to connect with you because you're sort of like in this Facebook group with them and actually like chatting with them and giving them really good value. So it's sort of to be like promote content, promote challenge, run challenge. Then it's kind of launch time after the end of that. What about you? How's, how do you It's very yours? similar. We do that just like the same thing. So we'll do different content upgrades for about a month out. And then we'll start pushing either the challenge or we'll start even doing podcast episodes around the subject matter that is kind of pointing people to the webinars. And you love webinars just like I do. So let's talk a little bit about what the actual launch looks like and kind of how we navigate through our launch weeks. Yeah, sure. So one thing I just changed and I don't, can't believe it's taken me this long to change it. <laughs> But I always used to do the webinars, you know, like in the middle of a launch, it's kind of like a dead bit, like where it goes a bit quiet. Yeah. It's like at the start, it's really busy. And at the end, it's really busy. And then there's kind of like crickets in the middle. So I always used to do my webinars then because I'd be like, oh, it gives me something new to talk about. And it obviously gives you like a bit of a sales boost and whatnot as well. But this time around, I did them right at the start, which I think was better. I think I liked that. Like the first webinar was the day that the cart opened. That's exactly how I do it. You were doing it differently? Yeah, I don't know why. <laughs> just seemed like, I was just, I, I think actually I do know why. It's because the very first time I did a launch, the webinar wouldn't have been ready for the first day. So, because I was okay. like doing all the other preps, so I was like, it gave me an extra week to get the webinar ready. And then I've just always done it that way since. And now, I did it the other way. I'm like, this makes way more sense. Oh my gosh. Isn't that funny? I think that a lot of people don't know how much content needs to be ready for a launch. So you have email copy, sales page copy. You have to have a webinar presentation. You have to have the course itself done. You have to have ad copy. So there is just like so, I mean, we have content coming out of our ears. So now what does launch week look like for you? Then that's when you're doing your webinars. How many webinars do you usually do? I normally do four over three days. So I can try and do the two different times, like 
because I try and do Aussie time zone and US time zone. And, but the thing I really liked about having these, the webinars right at the start was because one of my being Australian, one of our problems is the internet down here can be super unreliable. I would pretty much always have at least one where the internet just died mid webinar and everyone got kicked off. So the beauty now of having them at the start is if that happens or if, you know, some other tech thing happens and you're not kind of hitting the benchmarks you want to hit, you've got a bit of space to do a couple more webinars towards the end that you can just like keep running the Facebook ads kind of thing and add some extra times to make up those sales. So I kind of like that you now have like this, like it's almost like a plan B, like a just in case, Mm -hmm. because otherwise like so much, like I said, so much goes into a launch. Something kind of, you know, is bit off and doesn't work properly. You kind of like, Darn it, I've got to like wait like another six months now to, to do that again. <laughs> Isn't it crazy too? Like I usually do four live ones as well. And I think that people are just so afraid of them. I know I was just like so afraid of the technology. I was so afraid of being live. I was so afraid that things would go wrong or my screen wouldn't be shared. And I think that a lot of times those things do happen, but then you realize like it's not the end of the world. You're giving out free content, like your audience is resilient. You're going to be fine. Have you had any like horrific launch things? I mean, the internet shutting off would like probably give me a heart attack. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I lost like 1200 people once because the internet died. I was like, no, sorry Um, guys. (laughs) And then, you know, I was like posting links on Facebook and Instagram. I was like, we found it, you know, we've got it back up again, come back. And I think we got maybe like a hundred people back. So that was, that was a little bit soul crushing, but you know, like you bounce back, it's fine. And all those people are on your email list. So it's not the end of the world. It's exactly, you've given them that great content. And even if it does cut out five minutes before you actually start talking about the product you're going to talk about, (laughs) you know, they're still going to get your launch emails and things like that. I think it's just, it's one of those things, like especially the first time you do it, you're like so terrified that something's going to go wrong. And there's always something that doesn't Mm -hmm. go to plan. Like you just, even with the most bulletproof plan, even with the best tools and the best software and all that stuff. Like I've had a launch once where that something happened to the, it was like one of those big server hack things happened. Oh my gosh. So my emails weren't sending. I was (sighs) like, and then, so we had to like push, run and quickly like reset everything. So it would go the following week instead. And it was just, yeah, but you know, you rally. I think the biggest thing I've learned about when you're being, doing launching is it's really, really important to have someone supporting you. Mm -hmm. Even if you can't afford a team right now, like even if you can recruit a friend or get your partner on board to help with, you know, even just saying to them, just like going, you know, babe, I'm going to be stressed out of my mind for the next week and a half. Can you cook (laughs) dinner every night? Is that okay? Like just, you know, you just kind of have to allow yourself to just be a crazy person for a little while, while you're sort of being pulled in all these different directions and finding any support that you can get is always really good. Absolutely. Drew, I mean, Drew cooks in general for us, but like we have a system down now. I do want to say like launching gets so much easier the more you do it. Like you create systems, you know what you have to have done. You kind of know the flow of it and how you're going to feel during the week. And so I remember when I did my first launch, I was a crazy person. We were like creating content as we were going for the emails. My brain felt like total mush. I'm pretty sure I cried like three times. (laughs) 
but <laughs> it's funny now, like now I love launching new things and I get so excited because I know that the program is going to help people, but I 110% agree. Like having somebody support, even if it's just having somebody webinar supporting and like fielding questions for you or answering questions while you're live, there's just so much beauty in that. And I know one time I got kicked off of a webinar and I like was like, okay, this is either where you like crawl under your desk and cry for three hours or you get right back on and you pray that other people jump back in. And, you know, it's just it's just like life, like nothing ever goes according to plan, but that's like the beauty of it too. Yeah. And I think people would kind of look around and they see all these people launching and they think it looks like everything's just so flawless. I'm like, no, everyone is like, you know, a duck on the water. Like it's just like, <laughs> just like smooth on top and underneath they're just like run, 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 run. And yeah, like you said, like once you get the systems in place and that was another big aha moment. Again, it just took me way too long to learn <laughs> was that if something works, do it again. Because mm-hmm. like my first few launches, I think I was just doing everything from scratch every time. So it was like, I was completely, I was doing all new challenges and all new webinars and all new emails and all new everything. I know I'm an idiot. (laughs) I was like, oh, but I can't do the same thing. People will remember or they'll be bored of it. Or then, you know, the penny kind of dropped one day when someone said to me, I was talking about like conversion rates. They're like, oh, how did it convert last time you did it? I'm like, what do you mean? Why would I have done it before? And I was like, like, because that's what you do when things work. (laughs) (laughs) that's amazing Uh, I just like making life hard for myself sometimes but you know you learn these lessons and then everything gets so much easier absolutely I think that for me we do so I have my photo lab program so we launch that two times a year so that's open and close enrollment because it's it's more of a hands-on it's a big investment and I want to really offer it at times when photographers actually have time to like learn and invest into their businesses and so the timing on that one is very specific and you know I've battled with that too where it's like do you have to do an entirely new webinar every single time you go to launch or can you use the last one and one of the things that I would give as advice for anyone that's launching anything or starting a program is that a lot of times it takes people a few different times to hear content or to be reminded like oh I never did take action on this and I thought I would or oh I do need help on it and so a lot of it just has to do with timing and you can always make things better but like Kate said like you don't want to scrap everything and start over because I would say the amount of time you're preparing your launch content takes way longer than people think so when they're like oh you just made six figures in a week it's like uh no I made six figures off of six years of learning lessons one year of putting it all into a course and three months of writing content every single day you know what I mean yeah yeah launches are a 90-day process that's like we have like in Asana it's pretty much like they're just, it's recurring tasks. Like it's, mm-hmm. we have this like three month, like kind of quarterly thing. And it's like month one, we do this, 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 this month two, we do this, this, this. And then they just, you know, three months later, it's back. We're going back again. So month one might be, you know, going through and planning everything out. And then it's checking all the emails and updating them. And it's just, yeah, it's not a week. You can't just pull it out. Like I, you know, I pulled it out of my, you know, rear end on the first <laughs> one and I was very lucky with that, but I think it does it. I don't think people realize the pre-work and the prep that kind of goes into it. 
Oh, absolutely. So where are you going right now? Because you've been launching courses now for a few years. You're probably refining your systems. What are you working on right now? Or what is something that you're just working towards? So right now I'm working, I'm calling it Kate McKibben 3.0. Cause you know, I had like my fashion blogger hat and then I've had my, I think like for the last, yeah, last three years, I've kind of been known as a person who helps bloggers to monetize. Like that was really the thing that I was really good at. And that was, you know, was getting people really great results. But I think again, the market's changing. I, I'm a little, I think it must be just a little ADD. I kind of always come up with new ideas. And at the moment I'm feeling really pulled towards not so much not helping bloggers anymore, but kind of expanding out because a lot of the stuff that I talk about, the stuff that I really get excited is like really nerdy stuff. Like I love nerding out and, you know, playing with email automation sequences and helping people, you know, systemizing things and automating things and basically creating like digital stuff for people and stuff like that. And website optimization and all of this super nerdy stuff. So I'm kind of working towards really simplifying stuff down over the next like three to six months. I'm going to be rebranding to changing the name. It's going to be like, I'm 99% sure the new name is going to be (laughs) Nerd Boss. I'm still just negotiating on domain at the moment. (laughs) And that will be, it's kind of like, means I just kind of get to focus in on the stuff that I really, really love, which is helping to simplify the scary the stuff that other people find really scary but because I've Mm -hmm. got like I said like a super nerdy brain I find it really easy and really simple and I love just helping people to translate that kind of marketing speak into normal person speak and be able to sort of apply it to their businesses and not just bloggers like you know people online course creators or people with online stores or you know things like that so over the next yes, yeah, so next three to six months, I'm going to be yes yeah, sort of rebranding and just really focusing on my two like favorite course offerings that I have. And one's my membership site, which at the moment is called Blog Squad, which means it'll probably have to change the name of that as well. <laughs> I'm not oh sure what I'll change God. it to. That's still if anyone has any fantastic ideas, let me know. Because you know even that is like it's a community, but it's everything inside there. It's not just for bloggers. We talk about this building. We talk about social media. We talk about you know setting up opt-ins and creating your blog and website and content of marketing, of course, but not just for bloggers, for everybody. And then my other one is, again, everything, the names are just changing on everything. So the course, which is currently called blog to boss which is all about, it's a really implementation focused course on creating an online course. So like really getting into the behind the scenes tech kind of set up stuff and just making that as easy as possible with like templates and whatnot. That's probably going to be called course boss after this. I'm not sure. (laughs) I love the uncertainty because I feel like we are all floating in a pool of that, but nobody actually says it. So I'm really excited that you're saying all of this. Well, I think you've got it. Like it's your, I resisted it for ages because I was like, you know, I built up a brand and whatnot, but I think the people that my brand resonates with, they resonate with me. And if I'm feeling called to shift my direction a bit, then, you know, the right people will come with me. And then the people Mm -hmm. that maybe I'm no longer serving anyway, because I'm, you know, my passion is kind of pointed in one direction. They're probably, you know, that's totally cool for them to, if they don't connect with it and then they will go and connect with someone else's message. Like it's Mm -hmm. it's a beautiful thing to be confident in that. And I think that takes a lot of people, a lot of time to get there. 
Yeah, well, you know, I've been hanging out on the internet for 10 years now. I figure it's, I'll, uh, you always, you always kind of figure things out and land on your feet eventually. So it's all, it's all good. <laughs> Amazing. Oh my gosh, Kate. Well, I cannot wait to see what Kate McKibben 3.0 looks like. And I know that my listeners are going to want to connect with you as well, especially when it comes to the nerdy stuff, because we need help when it comes there. So where can everybody find you online? Well, right now it's secretbloggersbusiness.com and then on Instagram and Facebook, it's secretbloggersbusiness. It will probably be changing, but they'll all be redirected. So it'll totally be fine if you are listening to this a little bit later on. But yeah, (laughs) that's where I hang for the moment. Amazing, guys. You have to go find this beautiful Aussie girl and just give her some support. It is an amazing world that launching is, but it's also a really confusing, complicated, and scary world. And so if you are thinking about just starting to teach, especially online, I cannot encourage you enough to grow your email list. I do have a free webinar on the subject at growanemaillist.com because Kate and I are living and breathing proof that email lists are where it's at. Amen, Kate? Amen. Thanks for listening to Gold Digger. Dive into show notes for this episode and all past episodes at www.golddiggerpodcast.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time, you gold digging dream chaser you.